Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Techno Wizard. I have so many ideas and not much time to go over it. It is 10.13 a.m. Um, I have a feeling that this will go well over an hour, but I really, really should not talk for that long. So <laughs> I'm going to speak fast and let's hope I cover everything that I, that's on my mind. Um, so yesterday I posted my newsletter. It was terrible. <laughs> I didn't finish anything. I just wrote a whole bunch of... I just, you know, listed out a whole bunch of ideas and, and stuff like that that I was learning or thinking about and whatnot. So uh, take a look at that if you if you want to um, uh, look at my failures. But <laughs> it was interesting nonetheless. Yesterday I watched a huge, very long video, um, another Lex Friedman podcast with, um, I forgot his name, God, I'm terrible with names. Why, why do I? I should have looked. But he created the Palm Pilot. He was one of the the main you know founders of the palm pilot he has a company that is trying to he's he he has a company and he's a neuroscientist where he's trying to um <clears throat> develop artificial intelligence based on human intelligence so really what he's trying to do is build the neocortex artificially and um so his argument is that um intelligence is can be built and and um kind of is currently built in our brains separate from the rest of our brains so the neocortex is 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 kind of um in his argument the root of much of our intelligence you know the 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 model um processing unit you know that the area in which we create you know abstract models and ideas about the world and all this other stuff and um the rest of our brain is kind of like the emotions and um other things and there's an interesting interplay there right this is where we get the feelings of love and and all these other feelings and stuff like that right so it's not like this unimportant however in terms of intelligence he argues that we can simply create the neocortex which is not really simple is going to be very difficult but we can just create the neocortex rather than the try to simulate the entire brain so um and in doing so he argues that artificial intelligence will not um, be like what Elon Musk and all these other people are kind of worried about in which artificial intelligence kind of gets so powerful and so intelligent that they, you know, uh, kill off all the humans or something like that, right? Where they create their own goals and their own ideas about the world and, and, and try to cast us aside and stuff like that. He argues that that is not going to happen because intelligence does not really in and of itself come with its own goals, right? With its own drives or, or desires, um, that is found in other parts of our brain. And so if he creates an uh, intelligence system based on the neocortex, then it will simply be like a very incredible computer, you know, pretty much like our abstract thinking, right? And then so we can, just like your computer, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, even though it's smarter than you in many ways, right? Like you can calculate things and hold things in its memory, all that stuff that more than you can ever do. But it doesn't make its own goals, right? It doesn't. It doesn't magically <laughs> um, decide, you know. Uh, oh, you're not getting on the computer today, or you're not going to be able to turn me off today. No, it doesn't. It just doesn't happen. Um, doesn't create its own programming. You have to do that yourself, um, or other people have to, you know, program that stuff in. Of course, other people can program things that 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 give it problems, right? That make it difficult for you to figure out how to do things or that give you viruses or whatever, right? Um, but other people have to do that. The computer doesn't do it itself. He, he says the same thing will happen if you build a super intelligent AI based on the neocortex. 
Um, there's a lot of really other interesting things in that podcast. Highly suggest you take a look. But um, it was really cool to um, to to listen. Now, one thing, however, that I really, I guess I don't necessarily disagree with because he didn't say you know this was not going to happen. But I just found it irresponsible that <laughs> and kind of weird that they didn't talk about this. And very surprising because Lex usually covers, you know, a lot of these types of topics. But one thing they didn't really talk about too much is the problem of the the use cases, right? So say, for instance, like they almost got into it, but they didn't really get into it. They said, you know, um, say, for instance, okay, the AI doesn't, you know, up and, and get its own goals or whatever, right? Um, however, what happens when all those people, right... When, when people have this technology, have this super intelligent AI systems, you know, what, what happens when they use it, when, when, when they want to use it for weapon guidance or guidance systems or for, you know, some sort of terrorism or some sort of viral growth or, or, um, or you know, a computer virus or any, any number of things that could really destroy humanity, you know? What happens when people misuse the technology or abuse the technology for their own gains or, you know, put it in another capitalistic system in which we can extract growth um, at the expense of the environment or whatever, right? Like, what happens then? What do we do with that? They didn't really get into that too much, and I found that really kind of weird because I think that's the bigger problem with AI, right? I agree that it's kind of silly to think about, oh, AI is going to be so powerful and, and so smart that it's going to, it's going to um, make humans, um, you know, irrelevant, right? I, I think that's a silly problem because even if it does happen, what's going to happen first, right? Always what's going to happen first is people using, misusing, abusing the technology, right? That's happened literally every single time <laughs> throughout the entire history of humans. So it, it's a safe bet that we are going to do something really terrible with this technology. Sure, we'll do some really great things too, but we have to, with more responsibility, you know, with greater power comes great responsibility. So we have to consider, okay, if we have this technology, if this technology is getting to that point, how do we create mechanisms, thresholds, or regulations, something, you know, to protect us from those 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 bad situations how do we do that especially when you have this technology that is probably going to only be accessible right to people with a lot of resources right to people with the you know the cutting edge computers and the the money to um to buy this license to license the, the tools and all this other stuff how do we make sure that those people don't you know license the the technology then then um like for instance he mentioned how already already to the right now they they figured out enough about how the neocortex works to upgrade the neural net the neural processing you know net that most algorithms use today so that you know things like twitter or youtube or you know google their algorithms their neural net algorithms they can be improved based on what they've been learning about the brain already today they can do that so what's the responsibility there right we already know for a fact we all know for a fact that twitter youtube you know much of google facebook right their algorithms are really messed up (laughs) 
right? People have coded them such that they are meant to improve engagement, right? Engagement over community or actually meaningful conversations or any of this, that, and the other. And so if you're, if you're improving these, these neural net profit, uh, systems, these, these algorithms that are not necessarily, you know, built to, to create better um, human and social engagement, then what happens when we, we, have, we have social media pro- programs or search engines which are so much more efficient at misinformation, <laughs> which are more efficient at, you know, censoring mm-hmm. and more efficient at, you know, I don't know, blocking people from actually making meaningful connections and all this other stuff. That's the problem that I, I, died, I haven't seen them talking about and I found that really disturbing because that's, that's seriously something that we need to you know think about and what the hell (laughs) and fix so yeah it's it's um it's a concern (laughs) but nonetheless it was cool to uh see what's going on there a lot i learned about intelligence and um i've also been looking at uh so made some posts kind of this morning about um or was it yeah it was last night <laughs> about capitalism and things like that and thinking about viral growth and and just questioning things right and um i was reading this article about the donut economics action lab so if you don't know um this uh economist i forgot her name but she made a great book called uh donut economics i think it's called that and uh she has this deal donut economics action lab program in which tries to redefine economics and and put it in a more human-centered approach right a more environment environmentally sustainable uh area where she mentions how okay we 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 have some level of financial growth that's necessary for people to get to a you know healthy kind of living um arrangement you know set up in their in their society but there there should also be a cap Right. There should also be a, a ceiling after which point, you know, you become environmentally unsustainable. Right. So that's why it's a donut, um, because you want to keep economic growth in the middle. Right. In a sustainable area where, it, where it's high enough in which everybody in your society is, you know, safe and fed and educated and all this other stuff. But it's also not so high that you're exploiting the economy or you're exploiting the environment and you're you know making problems like global warming and all this other stuff right so she wrote that book i think in 2017 has been talking about it all these years i've been really excited about it i've been meaning to get back into it so definitely need to do that but i just read an article today about how amsterdam is implementing a lot of these ideals into their city and that is so exciting because that's the first, you know, major city to implement this idea, to implement this economic um, model, right? And it's very, it's very powerful because they mention how, you know, um, we, we kind of had this idea that GDP uh, growth is all that is really necessary to to measure success, that the success of our country, of our countries, our people, whatever it should be measured by GDP growth, right? By um, revenue, by more profit, and things like that. But the problem with that, of course, <laughs> is that it ignores 
much of the the suffering right much of the environmental suffering the human suffering the the people left behind all that other stuff right and um that is very problematic because especially nowadays where we're coming to terms with (laughs) with those mistakes we're coming to terms with you know all the things that are exploited and so we're uh, you know especially me you know people like my age and and younger or even a little bit older right up to 40 up to 50 are going to have to live in a world where things are crashing down <laughs> because you know we thought uh infinite growth was 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 the way to go was the only way to go apparently you know to reagan and thatcher and, and stuff like that but of course it's not you know th- it, it, there's no way in which you can have infinite growth because we don't live in a world where we have infinite resources there are a finite amount of resources and things um, either take time to replenish or they just don't and so <laughs> people were consuming 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 over the last century really the last couple centuries and now we're facing the consequences of depleted resources right and so donut economics is a model in which we can be more sustainable so for instance you know they during the uh in the article they mentioned that during the pandemic during the the bulk of the pandemic when they realized a lot of a lot of people didn't have computers right and they they would need computers in order to really be a part of society and things like that instead of building or buying a bunch of computers they did a big program where they went out and gathered all the old computers and they refurbished them right they replanted they they fixed many of them up and gave those out and it wasn't you know fully comprehensive they they was able to give everybody a computer but they were able to give a couple thousand computers out you know by that method and that's way that's a way better you know method because not only do you reduce the amount of consumption of um raw resources which are rare might I add because we're coming up against a a depletion in um silicon and you know a lot of these materials that we use for our chips Right, we, that's why there's so much uh, of a shortage with you know the PS5 and uh, the PlayStation 5, you know, and and all these other computers that we're <laughs> we're realizing, hey, we we have a uh, a uh, rare metal um, depletion. But anyways, so not only does it reduce that consumption, but it also it also reduces the waste, which is another problem because much of that e-waste, much of the elect the waste of electronic devices just get stuck in the environment right that the batteries um and all this other materials poisons the environment you can't do anything there you can't grow anything there it just it just sits there <laughs> it's a waste of land a waste of resources all that stuff and so by recycling these these materials we can clean up the environment we can use less um um resources and so on and so forth so it's it's all around very good and they're doing a number of these types of things to um to uh, just create a better, more sustainable future, and um, and present as well. Oh, excuse me. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, but when, some of the things they mentioned is that oh, you know, some critics um, think that uh, the donut economics is 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 not good because of this, that, and the other. And I, so I'm going to talk about this a little bit because I do think it's important. So one of the things they mentioned is how um, some one of the Canadian conservatives mentioned, oh, you know, dem- donut economics says all growth is bad and, and, and it's anti-development, anti-growth, anti-capitalism. Um, but donut economics is literally 
still capitalistic, right? It, it's it's all it does is put capitalism in a human-centered approach, right? It puts it in perspective, right? It literally says some people, like I said in the beginning, need more growth, right? Some people need more schools, more um, companies in their area, more whatever, right? They need that development and that growth. While other areas need less <laughs> because they're consuming too much and it's unsustainable, not only for the environment, but even for that society. Like here in America, like we're consuming so much that, and I've talked about this before in terms of urban planning, that our very ideal of community has been destroyed because we're building so many single home houses that we no longer have cohesive environments. We no longer have cohesive neighborhoods. Right. Most of us don't live in a neighborhood where there are mixed use housing and you can, you know, see people from different walks of life, you know, on a daily basis where you're regularly outside communicating with all your neighbors and everything. Most of us don't live in a life like that. Right. Because of that excess conception, this idea that you can just grow, 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 that instead of, you know, building mixed use communities and, and reusing communities, um, reusing neighborhoods to, you know, diversify and things like that. We could just build more housing developments. We could just build more single home housing and, and zone, <laughs> create more uh, zoning for, for, for uh, these areas, right? Cut down trees and build and put a, sur uh, a suburb there, right? <laughs> that's, <clears throat> that's an unsustainable idea, and it really poisons our sense of community. It makes us more car dependent. It makes it l harder to walk around, and that increases more obesity, right? More heart disease and all that. So it's, it's not healthy. Not just not only for the environment, but also for ourselves, right? And if you didn't know, you know, environment and ourselves, it's together anyways. But for some reason, people need to realize that <laughs> um, your personal health is also at risk here. Um, if you didn't realize that already with the environment, so I found that as a really dumb argument from <laughs> from that side. Um, another one was that. Uh, what was it? It's a, it's a, this is this whole identitarian um, issue. Oh, it's a leftist idea. Therefore, it's bad. <laughs> I'm like, what? Can you, you actually, you know, talk about the idea <laughs> and see what's wrong with it and, and actually make a cohesive argument? Because that's another problem, right? It's like, oh, it's just it's a leftist idea. It's anti-capitalist. I'm like, no, it's it's not. <laughs> right? Just take your time. Look at what they're talking about and see, you know, what they're, what they're doing. Um, oh, yeah, here's another one. So... <laughs> This one was talking about how they said um, it goes against the idea that that capitalism has um, or it, 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 it ignores the idea that capitalism has raised um, most uh, the most people out of poverty than any other system. And I found that very interesting because I realized that this idea is one that a lot of people have. Right. I, I myself had this idea. But once again, if you've been following me with these, you know, podcasts and things like that, I've discovered, and I think many other people will discover, they take the time to do the research, is that that's not correct, right? That's that's propaganda. So, I'm going to take my time with this because this is super important. And that many people have this idea that capital, that we, we have capitalism to thank, right? For the internet, for, you know, our... our amazing quality of life for having um all these school systems and you know all this stuff that we have today but number one before i even get into the deeper part of it much of our 
um, things that we enjoy today, like such as schooling, you know, <laughs> um, or mass schooling, literature, uh, and public uh, infrastructure, all this stuff, right, was pushed by socialist ideas, right, by socialist you know, things during the, the during the uh, Great Depression, right, after the Great Depression, the, the green, the green, the New Deal, and stuff like that, right. Um, before that, most people, even in America. Even in America, during the heyday of, you know, the industrial age, most people in America were illiterate. There was no schooling, all right? Most people did not go to school during the early 1900s, 1800s, right? Most people just worked on a farm or worked in a factory, you know? And, of course, that's you, that you had that whole robber baron period, right? You had the whole Gilded Age where these <laughs> um, super rich people were seriously abusing their workers were seriously abusing the economy, the the um, environment, and so on and so forth. And so, when you look at that, you realize that, huh? We don't really have capitalism to thank for where we are right now. We have socialism to thank, right? <laughs> and people, of course, they have uh, all sorts of problems with the New Deal, and they they come up with, you know, oh, you know, these government, um, these government uh, controlled systems are very inefficient, and all this other stuff. And that's true. I agree. I definitely agree. Right, I'm, I'm the first one to tell you that we shouldn't be, you know, putting things in the hand of the government. However, it was still better. It was still better than before, right? And this is the big thing. Just because something is good right now, or even is bad right now, right, doesn't mean that it was always this way, right? Like the schooling system, it's terrible today. However, it's better. Than when it was when when most of America were illiterate, when most people could not read, could not do math, and were not were not um, encouraged to do so. Right? It was very rare for people to have to be able to sign their name on a contract or even be able to read the contract. Right? And that's why so many people were easily, you know, <laughs> abused and things like that. Like, yeah, sign this uh, employee contract and whatever. Right? We can take all your, your stuff and all this other stuff. Like, there was a serious amount of, amount of problems with that. And you can learn this if you just look into history. Like, just, just go, go, go Google, you know, the, our literacy rates <laughs> in the 1900s and all this other stuff in the heyday of capitalism. Right? Of laissez-faire capitalism where there were little to no regulations. Just look this up. So, no, we don't have capitalism to thank for much of our growth and our quality of life. Or rather, our quality of life. That growth, maybe. But growth does not mean good. Right? Unchecked growth is what also happens with cancer. Right? You hear that all the time, hopefully. <laughs> and I think this is a very interesting metaphor to keep in mind. Is that, you know, unchecked growth is cancerous. Growth for the sake of growth is not good. Alright? I think we really need to get that through our heads. Just because we're growing things, just because we're building more things, does not mean we're actually making progress. And just because we're quote-unquote progressing, doesn't mean it's in a good situation, right? Doesn't mean that we're actually accomplishing something that goes towards our ultimate goals of human freedom or human, you know, um, sustainability, human development. And so it's, it's, it really is a function of propaganda in which makes us think that capitalism is to, is, is, um, to think 
for all the good things that we have in life today. It really is a propaganda. And so, another, another, the deeper part that I want to get into with this idea is the fact that capitalism did not raise a lot of people out of poverty. If anything, I could easily make an argument that capitalism put more people into poverty than any other system before in human history. What do I mean by that? Well, first let's define poverty. Right? I think a huge reason why people so easily believe that capitalism is great and that, you know, it really raised everybody out of poverty is because we've somehow defined poverty as not capitalism. <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's a circular argument. We, we define poverty, and most of us have an idea of poverty as, you know, not being able to, to enjoy the, the life in which we have today in America or in, you know, quote-unquote developed nations. And what I mean by that is we, we, we look at, we say, oh, these people are homeless, right? Oh, these people don't have, you know, running water. They don't have internet. They don't have, you know, cars. They don't have um, schooling. Right, and we say, oh, because they don't have any of that, they're they're impoverished, right? They're barbaric, they're um, undeveloped, undeveloped, uncivilized, right? But that is literally a racist, ethnocentric idea. Okay, if you don't want to agree with me, because I know a lot of people, oh no, no, it's not, it's not racist. It's just you know, blah 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 blah. Look at it like this: many of these Aboriginal peoples. Many people who lived in places in Africa and in India and um, many places in Asia and, and uh, the Americas, you know, before colonialism, of course, they had sustainable lives. They were able to get pretty much everything they needed from the environment, food, water, shelter, and they had very efficient education, right? They had their own writing systems. They had oral um, um, learning systems, right? A lot of people may love to make this argument that oh, because it's not written down, it's not developed or it's not advanced. But we now know we can actually see today that oral um, learning and oral kind of traditions are extremely efficient and extremely powerful, right? They allow you to like so many of these oral traditions allow people to remember stories. From not just hundreds, but thousands of years. Thousands of years in the past. That's absolutely mind-boggling. Right? Man, yes, of course. A lot of this kind of gets into, you know, a lot of it kind of becomes, quote-unquote, myths. But those aren't necessarily myths. They're more stories. You know, just like the bedtime stories that we tell today. Or, you know, any kind of book and stuff like that, right? Look at the writing systems that we have today. In America, for instance, English, right? Modern day English. And look at the writing systems that were there a couple hundred years ago, right? Elizabeth, Elizabethan age English or whatever, right? Most people today cannot read the English that was there a couple hundred years ago. Cannot read it. And so how efficient is our writing system in which only a couple only a couple centuries removed, it's already almost irrelevant or, or you know... Um, unreadable to most of today's audience how efficient is that system versus in these oral traditions 
right? They could pass on stories, ideas, history, very efficiently from generation to generation over hundreds, if not thousands of years. With very little, um, with very little deterioration of the message. Yes, that message changes, but we actually see when you study um, uh, communication and when you study language, when you study how information gets passed on, you actually realize that a huge part of what human intelligence is changing stories, right? A huge part of what allows us to memorize things is not keeping it rote for rote, like word for word, just rote memorization. It's actually turning it, right? Translating it into your current day circumstances, into your current day, you know, um, understanding, right? The fact that things change from generation to generation actually increases the, um, the ability to recall that information, right? This is why it's so efficient when you hear, um, when you, when you try to put, put rhyming with your words or when you try to put stories with your, um, uh, with your facts, right? If you try to learn history in school, usually it's more efficient to put it in a story and to make it kind of to, to not just repeat the word by word by the textbook, but to reword it in your own words. This is why it's so efficient, right? Because it makes it more personal, it makes it more relevant to you. And many of these oral traditions use those techniques in order to pass on information. And so I, I bring all this up, even though it's a tangent, because it's extremely important to this idea of poverty and, and, and development and um, civilization. Right, we have seriously biased our idea of civilization according to propaganda. Right, <laughs> where we say, "Oh, these people don't have a written language, therefore they're uncivilized." Well, first of all, they did have a written language. Like many of these, actually did have a written language, and but they use oral traditions because it was more efficient than m much of the writing, much of the written language. Right, only certain people were allowed to learn the written language, or had the time to learn the written language. But most people were able to learn by all the oral traditions. Furthermore, they had better education because within their society, they were able to pass on um, what their elders learned to their youngers because of the, the, the community aspect. Right. I mentioned this before. Many, many of those, uh, uh, for instance, the Khoisan and the hunter-gatherer uh, civilizations where they had the kids learn with the elders right the elders and the kids will stay in the village most of the time while uh, while the adults while the you know middle-aged folks will go out and forage and because of that many of the kids were able to pick up on these stories that the elders would tell them and be able to learn way more efficiently than us today think about it to today how many of you know stories from your grandparents how many of you know everything that your grandparents did in their life? How many of you know what your great-grandparents did? What your great-great-great-grandparents did, right? Most of us don't have much. Most of us only have a handful of stories from my grandparents. Maybe I might be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong here, but I, I don't think so. Because <laughs> I've talked to a lot of people, you know, about this. I've seen my own, like, with my own grandparents and things like that. And you see that today with, you know, the... Uh, the nursing homes where we kind of a lot of people just put their grandparents in a nursing home and never really talk to them. It's, it's so sad, right? A lot of people live separately from their grandparents. So how can you learn all that information from them? How can you learn all that wisdom from them? So we have this idea 
that our education system is so much more efficient, right? It's, it's so much more civilized. And yet, we know for a fact that most kids today are, are, are suffering in the education system, right? They're not actually learning that much. We know that. <laughs> yet, for some reason, we think we're so much more civilized just because we have the aesthetics of what we think civilization looks like. This is, this is delusion. Once again, with the propaganda. We, we, we say, oh, you know, we, we brought these people out of poverty. But really, we created more poverty because, once again, these Aboriginal, Indigenous people were able to have to have sustainable lives. They got all of their nutrition, their water, their their habitat needs from the environment. They were able to create their own house, their own houses. I mentioned that I think yesterday, right? Where when you live off grid, when you don't have to, you know, to depend on super specialized people to build your houses for you right you learn the skills necessary to build your own shelter right and we, we, we of course you can have all this you know um ideas about specialization and all this other stuff we can get that you know i can get in that, into that at another day but it still does not take away from the importance of being able to build our own shelter right Many of these people were able to do that. Many of these foraging cultures that we know today were able to get much of their nutrition needs from the environment. And we can see this in the, the skeletons, right? We can see this in their death, right? When you hear about life expectancy, you say, oh, they died at the age of 40, 30, whatever, right? But really, the average life expectancy is literally a... a a manipulation of the data we actually can see that many people lived the same age that we lived roughly 70 80 years many of them even live beyond that the average life expectancy actually takes into consideration the infant mortality right the infant mortality how many people died at birth or in the first two three four five ages maybe up to nine ages of life Nine years of life. And yes, don't get me wrong, that's bad. I'm not saying these people were perfect or anything like that. Not saying that. All I'm saying is that they had a huge amount of development, right? They had a huge amount of civilization. They had a huge amount of positive things about their environment and their lifestyle that we today do not give credit for. We today assume they were living so much worse than where we are now. And that feeds into this idea that capitalism is the best that we can do. This is wrong. Yes, capitalism has given us a great amount of growth, technology, technological growth. Once again, at what cost? We can see in the freaking evidence. It's, this is evidence, y'all. Like you can look at the skeletons of people who died. And, and see how long they lived. And we can see that many of them did not die from malnutrition. Many of them died from, you know, freaking hunting big creatures or something like that. Or from old age. Or as infants from sickness. And so, really, if we want to look at the improvements that we have to society, we should see 
how many people no longer die from, you know, big creatures. Okay, we probably made a huge amount of progress in that way. You know, how many people died, um, how many people no longer die, rather, as infants from death, from, um, from different sicknesses or, you know, um, things like that. We probably made a huge amount of progress there. However, it's not that much progress that we think because there's actually a, a big problem, especially today, in infant mortality rates rising, right? And people of color specifically, women of color, right? Having higher infant mortality rates due to discriminatory practices. So even today, even though we, we did make some progress here, it's not as complete, right? It's not as as perfect or whatever, you know, that we kind of assume it to be. So the idea that capitalism has raised the most people out of poverty in any other system is not necessarily true. And you can easily make the argument of the opposite, that it put more people in poverty because many of these indigenous societies today are suffering not because their society not because they are undeveloped not because they are you know impoverished but because we our capitalist our capitalistic society has colonized their lands taken their resources and then put them in little boxes and said yes continue your life right <laughs> the koisan people right much of their lands that they use for 200,000 years is being drilled up for diamonds. For diamonds. A, an industry in which is, is so manufactured that you no longer have to even drill for diamonds because we figured out how to create diamonds, you know, artificially. So it's like, it's literally not even, there's no point in doing that. Many of these people are now suffering, the, are at the forefront of global warming problems in which their society, their way of life had nothing to do with. Their way of life did not contribute to it one bit. It was our way of life that destroyed the environment in such a way that their way of life is now no longer possible. And of course, now you're going to have people say, oh, oh, but um, if, if capitalism was so, you know, it's, it's so aggressive, right? This is why we should keep it. Because we, we, we <laughs> it's such a dumb argument in my opinion, but it's, it's this idea that, oh, because we conquered them, that means that we're better, right? Because we, we, we were able to, you know, push their way of life out, you know, because we won, we won the battle, right? Therefore, it means we are somehow better. But no, that, that come on, y'all. Like, this is a, literally the, the ravings of a, of a psychopath. This is the ravings of people who rather have some some law of the jungle some misconstrued law of the jungle might I add <laughs> rather than a, a, a sensible position because even with the law of the jungle this idea of predators and prey the cycle of life depends not on predators you know but on the grass right but on the, the bottom of the quote unquote pyramid Right? Because if a lion goes around and tries to eat everything, it can't. It literally cannot eat everything in the environment. And everything does not fear the lion. Right? 
we, we, we have this idea that the lion is at the top of the food pyramid. But in reality, the hyenas, you know, will, will give a, a lot, the lion for a, a run for its money. Right? They'll gang up on the thing and, and, and take a lot of the, 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 they'll scavenge a lot of the resources. Right? And what gets left gets eaten by the vultures. And then the, um, the insects and all that other stuff that decompose it, the fungus. Right? And that takes all those materials and turns it back into nutrients for the land. That creates more grass for the bison and all this other, the zebras that the lions eat to come back through. Right? Without all that, without the full cycle, without that full cycle, you will not have the lions. They will not be able to live any longer. This is why so many lions are, are, um, you know, are going extinct. Not only because we're, we're, we're hunting them, but also because we're destroying the entire cycle. And so you, you got to ask yourself, if we have won the battle, right? If we are at the top of the food chain, why are we starting to suffer so much? Why do we have all these flash fires and flash floods and, you know, huge storms coming in? Of course, you have people that don't believe in climate change, but that's a whole other thing. But once again, the question is, what is the cost, you know? If we think we're so advanced at the top of the food chain, so aggressive, at what cost? We're eating up everything in the environment that we become no, no better than a freaking virus. Nah, I'm sure we've all learned to uh, not enjoy those. <laughs> I don't think we want to... I don't think we want to deem ourselves similar to viruses, right? Yes, there's a place for them in the ecosystem. Or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe they're completely parasitic. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, I just don't think it's, it's good for humans, you know, to think of ourselves as some sort of apex predator rather than a helpful part of the environment, right? Rather than a fungus or, <laughs> or something like that, <laughs> right? A fungus, at least, it, it, it uses a whole lot. It grows a whole lot, right? It's the most numerous... Um, thing in the the planet grow in, in the plant, or rather in the animal kingdom, but it adds to the environment. It's crucial for the environment, right? It breaks things down so that all the waste, right, gets reused, so that all the nutrients locked inside dead bodies, whether it be animal bodies or plant bodies, gets reused in the environment, and everything else can can um, grow from that. I would rather be closer to a fungus than whatever we think we are now. So yeah. I'm not an enemy of capitalism in and of itself per se. I just think we've we've ran too far into the idea that capitalism is is the best thing we can do or you know, is uh, has given us so much success because we've completely ignored how much it has cost us. We've completely ignored all the <laughs> the problems that it, that it has created. We have completely ignored, you know, the the issues around it. We've, we've turned, you know, 
rational thinking into propaganda. We've turned our ethnocentric views into this utopian idea that our way of life today is so much more better, so much better than what has been before. There's some things that are better, but there's a lot of things that are, that's, that's not. And we really need to learn to admit those things. We really need to learn to question you know, what we think is so good about our society. We really need to look at if we really think you know, we're so much better, how are we better? You know, what was there before? Truly, don't just assume that you think <laughs> we're better. Do some research. But yeah, just a, a, a few other things I was thinking about as well, but that's the most of it. I've already talked for too long. Got a lot to do, as always. Um, hopefully I actually do it. <laughs> and um, as always, thanks for listening. Let me know what you think. Um, let me know if I'm just uh, riffing on some, some uh, dumb stuff or you think I got some good points here. Let me know what you're learning about, you know, capitalism or anything else yourself. Really would love to have some conversations about these sorts of things, you know, rather than just me just die driving. <laughs> but uh, I suppose we'll see. Thanks as always, and have a great day. See you. Bye-bye.